So, um, when I was in high school and um, when I was in high school and college, uh, I wanted to pay for my own way through college. So, I, like, I had to be very, very frugal. So, I never had a car until after I graduated from college and went to the seminary, because every penny counted. And I always worked. So, I worked at um, uh, during high school and college. Every summer, it'd be the same thing. I had this maintenance job where um, I basically cleaned toilets. Um, and then, uh, at this country club, Crane Creek Country Club, I'd teach swim lessons, which is a racket. I mean, you can make a lot of money off swim lessons. I mean, <laughs> that's where I made my, most of my money. And then the rest of the day was actually lifeguarding, which is a pretty easy life. And to add to it, you know, it's sunny, there's water, and the other lifeguards, uh, they're U of I friends. So it was great. It was a great, it was always a great summer. Um, even now, those are still friends of mine. We talk, look back and say, wasn't that a great time in our life? You know, because we would get up early at work, and then I would go to the Crane Creek, and then sometimes we might have a beer or two at the end of the evening. Um, but it was a great life. But the odd part is um, Crane Creek was every year you'd come back and you'd find out which members had to apply for bankruptcy, which just, you know, when you're 17, 18, 19, 20, like, it was so weird because they lived the good life, but every year you'd find out who had to file for bankruptcy. Or because you're staff, sometimes you're invisible. And I remember this once. Um, I overheard this kid getting chewed out by his mother because he went to the snack shed and charged, to the family credit, um, an ice cream bar. And he gets chewed out because she was saying, we can't afford that. And all I could think is, because I'm sitting in the lifeguard stand always thinking about this stuff, I'm thinking, wow, you can't afford an ice cream bar, but you drive a Mercedes. Um, and the odd part is, some of these people, they lived with a lot of tension. Like the sword is hanging over their, net, their head. Um, they have the lifestyle, but it's filled with a lot of fear and worry. And I, and I was amazed, thinking, holy cow, as poor as I was, I am more free than those people. Like they might have the fancy lifestyle, but how much money you earn really doesn't matter. Um, what matters is the lifestyle that you choose. And they pay for it, but they earn a lot of money, but they pay for it where there's all this tension. And like you'd find out some like, well-paying person, a doctor, has to file for bankruptcy because you chose the wrong lifestyle. Um, and it just amazed me that, wow, I'm happier and more free than those people. Um, and like you choose that. You choose the, kind of that worry. And I mention this for this reason. Today's first reading, the gospel, it deals with wealth. Uh, it deals with wealth, but the real issue is not wealth. The real issue is freedom and wisdom. Uh, wealth is just the construct. Because I don't want you to walk away saying, oh, Father Len said wealth is bad. I'm not saying that. I was shocked um, when years ago, a couple years ago, um, I knew this elderly couple, and I had met them my third year priesthood, fell in love with them. Oh, God, I just love these people. 
wild. Um, and they were good people. They helped at the prison ministry, always helped in food banks, um, funeral dinners, very devout Catholics, very active. Um, he took a year off just to become a math teacher because in their town um, they were short of math teachers. Just very giving, giving people and fun, which is the cherry on the topping. Um, and fun. And uh, once I was in Boise and uh, I was having dinner with them, um, and I had found out that week that they were worth $50 million. Like, holy mother of God, $50 million. And you wouldn't have never guessed. And they had a nice house, but it wasn't like a mansion or anything. So, you know, I'm going to let that one out of the bag. So we're at dinner. And I said, so, I found out you guys are worth $50 million. <laughs> I said, yeah, you know. And I said, well, how come you're not living in a mansion? And they said, because we love our house. This is where we raised our kids. That table is where they all sat. And there's just the two of us. We don't need any of that stuff. We're incredibly happy. And what amazed me is that, yeah, they might have done well. He did well in the stock market. But um, uh, they're happy and free. And more importantly, they're wise. They chose the right life. So just background. The gospel does deal with wealth, so is the first reading, but it's really about wisdom and freedom. Uh, because you have the story of the rich young man. So the rich young man, um, he's a good person. He's not bad. But here's the point. He's rich, he's good, but he's owned. He is owned by his possessions, and he's owned by his own definition of goodness. So... Um, He's completely owned. He's like a country club member. He's good, but he's owned. And what Christ invites him to is freedom. Um, so, uh, you know, in the gospel, when Jesus says it's harder for, um, how hard it is for a wealthy person to enter into the kingdom of God, and then he says it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a wealthy person. What that means is this. Have you guys ever heard that what it means is... Um, in Jerusalem, there's a tiny gate, and as long as the camels got on its knees and, and entered into the uh, city on its knees, it could get in. How many people ever heard that story? It's a lie. <laughs> Seriously, it's a lie. There, is no, there was no gate. Archaeologically, archaeologically there was no gate. Um, you just spread, people spread that because they, well, yeah, Jesus did say that, but as long as you pray a lot, you'll be okay. That was just a way of ignoring the words of Jesus. When it says a camel through the eye of a needle, it means, he means a camel through the eye of a needle. What it means is this. If you're controlled by the programming of the world that you got to have more and more and more and bigger bit, bigger show, you can't really participate in the kingdom of God. The couple I mentioned before, the $50 million, I, no, they, believe me, they're, they weren't just good people. They were holy. Um, yeah, they were wealthy, but they didn't buy into the programming of the world that I need all this. That's wisdom. So in the first reading with wisdom, wisdom is knowing how to break the programming of the world to become free. Um, so the wealthy young man, the rich young man, unfortunately, he's a good person. But he is not wise. He has not learned to break himself from the programming. 
So I love that where it says, Jesus looked with him with love. It's not condemnation. And this is what Jesus says to those that he loves. You know, the guy kept all the Ten Commandments. Well, Jesus says to him, you know the commandments. And he says, oh, yeah, yeah, I've, I've kept them. And then Jesus only quotes seven of the commandments. Why only seven? It's a seven with how you treat other people. So he's a good person. He's kept the rules. And that's actually part of the problem. He's kept the rules. And then Jesus says, and he says this to everybody who he loves, says this to us, there's one thing left to do. Sacrifice everything you have, give it to the poor, and then you can follow me. He says, the man went away sad. What Jesus is asking is that we turn our lives into this perpetual gift of love for other people. Remember that older couple I said, 50 million? Believe it or not, they were a perpetual gift of love for everybody else in the world. They did do that. Um, so, but the guy, the rich young man, his definition is it's all about him. He needs to grasp more and more and more and more. It's about getting more. So he doesn't understand it. All his life he's been grasping, and even his morality is a form of grasping. I've kept all the rules and regulations, so I own goodness. But the problem is, eternal life? Because remember, his question was, oh, what do I have to do to get eternal life? But he wants eternal life as another possession, some trinket. He can show off that he has this. Um, but Jesus' point is, eternal life can't be grabbed. You can't grab it and own it. All you can do is participate in it. Um, so, like, uh, it says that he's good. You know, he says, good Lord. He t tells Jesus he's good. And Jesus says, oh, there's only one who's good, God. Like, you don't own goodness. All you can do is participate in God who is complete goodness. Does that make any sense? Like, sometimes people's own definition of morality, um, it, they do a lot of good things, but it's just so they can say, you know, I'm more orthodox, I'm more Catholic, I'm better than you. Um, it's a way of, it's a possession. It's not a participation in the sorts of all goodness. So when he hears this, it says he's sad. He walked away sad. Why is he sad? Because he wants to own it. He wants to own it as just one more possession. Um, and it says also, not only that he was sad, but he was shocked. Why is he shocked? Well, because culturally, partly, in his time period, it would be if you're wealthy, it means God has blessed you and loves you. If you're poor, it means you're cursed. That's part of the background. But he was also shocked because it means he could never really own eternal life. All you can do is commune with it. Um, you can't really own it. And Jesus adds the word must, that you must do this. Well, that's, that's why he walks away sad, because he wants to own it. He wants goodness and morality to be something he owns. Um, so it's kind of sad. Like for us Catholics, like the whole Mass is us participating in the Eucharistic love and goodness of God. You don't get to own the Eucharist. You participate in it. Um, he wants to own it. So it says he walks away sad. And then you have this second story about St. Peter, 
where St. Peter says, well, Jesus, what about us? Look, look what we've given up. We've given up a lot. Now, the point of this second story is Peter is exactly like the rich young man. He's working off the same mode of operation that, um, you know, we've given up a lot. It's a quid pro quo system, so it's a purchase plan. You owe us. Do you get how, like, he has the same type of thought? No, you guys didn't get that? I can't tell, because... No, you didn't. Yes, you did. Okay, one person did. No, but, like, people say, well, I've given up this, so you owe me. You've got to give me this. That's not a participation. And Jesus gives this really very funny, sarcastic answer back, where he says, Peter, everybody who's given up, um, you know, brother and sister and home for the sake of the kingdom, they'll get a hundred times more back. Why is that a sarcastic answer? The point being is that, um, think about this. Do you really want a hundred more homes? Isn't one tough to clean? At least for me. Like, God bless you, but Eleanor, do you really want a hundred times more Ed? Isn't one husband a lot of work? Um, <laughs> she said, he's my cross. But like, when Jesus says that, do you really want a hundred times more? And Jesus' point is, Peter, you'll get it all. And the problem is, because you have this idea that you have to own everything, You'll get it all, and you won't be able to appreciate any of it because what about that person over there might have more than me? You'll never really enjoy it. That's why it's a sar sarcastic, funny answer. Um, you sacrifice so you can participate in it. You want to participate in goodness. Well, make your life this continual gift to God. So the rich, rich young man and Peter they're making the same point, that they think they have to own goodness. Uh, why not be free? Do you really want to be, this, I know I think about this too much, do you really want to be the country club members who you, you live for the show, but you always live in anxiety? Um, why not truly be free and be like the other you know, $50 million couple whose whole life was spent being a gift to other people? Then they're really set free. You really participate in goodness. Our prayer is not that we get and get, get goodness, get this, get that. Our prayer is that we become this eternal gift to God. We literally pray for that in the Eucharistic prayer. And so let us be a wise people that, yeah, we may or may not have money, but we are set free because we've turned our life into this perpetual gift back to God.